0: So for the Ukraine, uh, instability in Russia could be a Christmas gift. It could end the war in its favor much more quickly.
1: Uh, is not in our interest. Whoever comes after Vladimir Putin may not necessarily be better than Vladimir Putin.
2: Hello and welcome to Reactive's Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evgeny and this week we'll look into the recent events that unfolded in Russia presenting a major domestic crisis for President Vladimir Putin. But how did we get here and what does this standoff mean for Putin's future Ukraine and the EU? The Wagner Group, a Russian military contractor, has been actively involved in recent attacks, which has fueled the conflict with the Ministry of Defense. In a bold move on the 24th of June, Prigozhin's troops crossed into the Russian border city of Rostov, asserting their control over military facilities. Reports including videos and images have surfaced revealing armed personnel surrounding administrative buildings in the city centre. The exact details of the standoff are still unclear, there's a lot of background that hasn't come to light yet, but it appears to be a significant escalation of boiling tensions.
1: Uh, tensions have boiled over. They have uh, dealt with a number of issues, including uh, the degree of support and ammunition for Wagner uh, coming from the Russian military, uh, and uh, you know, they all, of course, uh, also issues related to um, Wagner's future as a as an autonomous force, effectively as an autonomous fighting force.
2: Zachary Peking is a researcher of EU foreign policy at Center for European Policy Studies.
1: These tensions have have gradually been building up, and they've uh, boiled over to a point where. Um, From what we know, uh, clearly it appears as if Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of of Wagner, uh, basically couldn't take it anymore and felt that in order to be listened to and to have his demands, which he has vocalized for some time already, uh, be heard, he needed to take uh, more uh, forceful action. Uh, But I should really stress that there really is still so much that that we don't know uh, about what has occurred and what its implications will be.
2: On the same day... June 24th, President Vladimir Putin addressed the nation in an emergency televised address, labeling the actions of Prigozhin and his forces as an armed immunity. He specifically mentioned that this armed immunity, orchestrated by the Wagner Group, is treason, and he highlighted that he will not tolerate any armed action against the Russian military, and those responsible will be held accountable. The Federal Security Service condemned Prigozhin's actions labeling them as a call to initiate an armed civil conflict within Russian territory. And it opened a criminal case against Prigozhin and called on Wagner fighters to take measures to detain their leader. From his side, Prigozhin has clarified that his actions do not constitute a military coup, but rather, in his words, a march of
0: justice. This is not a coup attempt, but a a mutiny with a uh, more limited goal. Um, And the goal is essentially to to protect uh, the position of Wagner.
2: Hans Kribe is director of Brussels' Institute for Geopolitics and he is also ex-advisor on international politics for the Russian government.
0: And there was a decision in uh, June by the uh, uh, the Ministry of Defence, supported by Putin, to wrap this uh, paramilitary company back into uh, the regular army. And uh, uh, this, um, I think it is increasingly clear, has been an attempt, a desperate attempt, um, to settle um, this conflict in uh, Mr. Prigozhin's favour, i.e. to keep this paramilitary company relatively autonomous.
2: But what are the plausible scenarios following this standoff?
0: There are, I think, three plausible scenarios. And the one is that Putin still manages to consolidate his power position and uh, continues uh, to be in charge for the next um, years. There's an elections, um, a presidential election in 2024, next year, um, and he will win and he will continue to um, uh, run the country as before. The second scenario is that um, this whole episode leads to more infighting among uh, Russian power elites, and in particular parts of the um, security machinery, um, and therefore increasing instability uh, and potentially even a civil war and chaos and the fragmentation um, of the Russian Federation. And then thirdly, there is a scenario um, in which there is a controlled handover of power to a new leader, a new figure, a new strongman who uh, can perhaps end the war and manage to unite uh, both Russia's elites and also the people behind him.
2: As we assess the possible outcomes, the future trajectory remains uncertain, but the stakes are high for both Russia
1: and the West. It's impossible to know with any certainty at this point, uh, because there's still a lot that we don't know about precisely what happened, uh, you know, how much support Prigozhin uh, either had or thought he had within, uh, you know, Russian uh, political and military brass. Um, but uh, and, and, and for that reason, I think that, you know, there's any range of, of possibilities. I mean, there are some who are expressing the view that this will, uh, you know, significantly weaken uh Putin's regime that that effectively that the 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 open rebellion that Prigozhin engaged in uh, it was so humiliating for Putin that basically we were were just one step away from uh, you know the whole edifice collapsing and then there are others who are of the view that you know Putin effectively one way or another found a way to see down the threat he's going to find a way to incorporate or, or neutralize Wagner going forward and you know he put all that together and and effectively given that uh, most of the elite you know, ultimately did rally around Putin in this crisis, you know, Putin will will further centralize power and perhaps, uh, you know, continue Russia down its path uh, towards uh, increasing uh, authoritarianism and, and militarism. So it's really, really difficult to tell at this point. And I think that because of that uncertainty, we really should not draw any definitive conclusions right now, because doing so would be really dangerous, right? If we're in a situation right now where, for example, the Ukrainians believe that um, you know, Putin has been almost fatally weakened and all it's going to take is one more you know, significant push on the battlefield in this counteroffensive. And then the whole edifice in, in Moscow will come crumbling down. But if it turns out that that's not the case in Russia, and that Putin's regime is actually going to demonstrate its, its resilience and its adaptability as it has so many times in the past, uh, then that could lead to uh, escalation and the war continuing for even longer than it already has.
2: While this is unfolding in Russia, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Weighted in on the situation, interpreting the armed standoff as evidence of Russia's inherent political instability. At the same time, the West is following the latest developments closely as Russia's instability causes lots of
0: stress. So for the Ukraine um, instability in Russia, it could be a Christmas gift. It could end the war in its favour much more quickly than um, otherwise would have been possible. Um, For the EU, I think it can also be a risk as for the United States, because if we see protracted conflict inside Russia, a civil war with factions and groups in the state fighting each other, that could entail a huge amount of risk, security risk, but also humanitarian crises, migration crises, uh, environmental crises, uh which you know will also have repercussions um for uh in particular i think europe's um interest and its security broadly conceived so clearly that is a short-term upside of finishing the war um but in a sense uh civil war in russia can create many many other problems and that's why i think uh, the eu should protect itself against that likelihood
2: You're listening to Your is Beyond the Byline podcast. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter on youractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge in other fields, you can listen to our tech, agri-food and health podcast. And if you have any comments or ideas, you can drop a line at podcasts at youractive.com. This unfolding crisis also has implications beyond Russia's borders. It raises questions about the regional dynamics, security concerns, and potential opportunities that may arise from this moment of instability.
1: I'm sure that there are going to be very different voices within the West on this question, Um, and we're seeing that already. There are some who are of the view that instability within Russia uh, is a significant security threat for the West. Um, that is to be avoided, uh, or you know, managed uh, at least to some extent. Uh, and there are others, of course, who would relish the opportunity, uh, you know, to see through regime change. Um, unfortunately, I, I think that de- there's no real deus ex machina in the case of, uh, of of this war because you know, one way or another, it doesn't matter how this war ends. Russia is still going to exist in all likelihood. Uh, it's going to be a large power. Maybe it's not a, a a global great power the way it thought it was, but it's going to be a, a significant player and power of 145 million people uh, in Europe. Um, and it's still going to be there as part of the European security system. And so we're going to have to deal with that challenge um, one way or another.
2: Jose Borrell, EU's high representative for foreign affairs and security policy, expressed his concerns about the political instability in Russia, particularly given its status as a nuclear power. The potential nuclear threat adds an additional layer of complexity that must be considered, says Mr.
1: Pekin. That's absolutely correct. Uh, you know, the, the, there have been some in in the West, uh, more on the hawkish side of the spectrum, who have advocated, uh, some at the real extreme of the spectrum, have advocated for Russia's dismemberment as a state. Um, and, uh, you know, much as the Soviet Union collapsed, they foresee that Russia, also being a, a multi-ethnic empire of sorts, is also doomed to collapse. Uh, but there are others who would settle simply for regime change, but the preservation of Russia, uh, you know, as, as an integral state... Um, One way or another, though, that that doesn't really solve our problems, right? I mean, the collapse of Russia as a state comes with security risks, not least in the realm of of nuclear weapons. Um, You know, Russian regime change does not transform, you know, effectively, you know, what Russia has been uh, for centuries overnight, which is uh, an empire, uh, which is very different from the rest of of Europe, which is based on the concept of, of sovereign nation states. And the problem with empires, of course, is that you know, they they don't have borders in the traditional sense compared to the the modern, uh, you know, administrative state. Um, And so I think we're seeing that play out right now. Um, And and so absolutely, I mean, those who highlight that instability within Russia is not, uh, you know, in in our interest are are absolutely correct. And I'd go one step further than that, which is to say that, you know, political instability short of state instability in, in Russia is also not going to solve our problems. I mean, you can say it's within our interests or not, but whoever comes after Vladimir Putin may not necessarily be better than Vladimir Putin, as, as the events of, of this past weekend have demonstrated. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that Prigozhin was planning on carrying out a full-fledged coup and, and becoming the president himself. Um, you know, his, his future in Russian politics after Putin has left the scene is very much open to debate. But I think the episode just highlights the extent to which, although we would all love to see Russia become more open, more democratic, more oriented towards the West, um, there are limits to which uh, that is likely to happen, especially given the fact that, you know, compared to 30 years ago, compared to uh, the late 80s and, and, and early 90s, the West appears as less of a model. Um, that, that Russians want to emulate um, you know, in, in comparison with, with you know the, the end of the Cold War and and, and the transition effectively to, to, um, to capitalism and, and to liberal democracy that, that took place at that time with the collapse of the Iron Curtain.
2: Looking ahead, Russia's current situation is likely to be a prominent discussion at the upcoming European Council meeting on the 29th of June. But according to Mr. Kribe, we shouldn't expect much coming out from the European Council meetings.
0: I, I wouldn't expect too much from the European Council in this regard. Uh, The EU has commented on uh, the goings on in the last few days as an internal matter for Russia. And I think that is the correct line to take. Uh, So I don't expect um, uh, a big statement from uh, the European Council. At this moment, the war is continuing. I think attention is and needs to shift back to um, supporting Ukraine in the best possible and in the safest possible way to win the war in its own country. I think that's where uh, uh, discussions can continue, should continue um, rather than speculating or seeking to, to interfere um, in, in, in Russia itself or to, to um, uh, uh, stimulate some regime change in the country. I think that is not the way that the EU should now uh, look.
2: Amidst this uncertainty, questions arise about Russia's future without Putin. Is it better with or without him? And what would a post-Putin Russia look like?
1: This is a significant event, obviously, that took place. Its repercussions uh, are very difficult to know at this point. Um, but I would avoid um, drawing the conclusion that this is you know, basically the, the, the beginning of the end. Um, it, it could be, at least as it relates to this phase of hostilities. Again, Then again, it might not be. It could be that that this war in its current phase or in a slightly slower phase uh, will will continue uh, for many years to come as as both sides entrench themselves, and I think we should be absolutely very worried about that. Um, and there really is no Deus ex machina. Um, R- Russia's going to be there. they're going to be a, a problem that we're going to have to manage, and we should not put our faith um, you know in easy solutions coming about. We are going to have to wrestle with this challenge for a long, long time. Uh, including how we find some sort of way to avoid the risk of escalation and and enhance security on the European continent in the short term. And also thinking about, given that Russia geographically remains in Europe, what legitimate place um, it could potentially be accorded um, and and what the timeline, what the conditions might be for that uh, over the longer term. And that's going to require some very, very difficult questions. And I'm sure that EU member states are are not going to be on the same page as it relates to that. Um, But that doesn't um, negate the necessity of of talking about these things. And Mr. Kribe,
2: what's your take on this?
1: That we
0: should um, be realistic about the future without Putin. And and I think Russia is very unlikely to become a a liberal European style democracy that we may want it to become. Um, If Putin goes um, uh, and is replaced in in, in a controlled and and managed handover, we are very likely to see continuity between his style of politics and that of his successor. Um, uh, It is unlikely that there will be a a, a huge uh, and deep reform that will bring, that will swing Russia back into the Western camp in geopolitics. Uh, Russia has certain sovereign interests and these are shared uh, as, as, as an important goal by the entire elite. There is, of course, um, uh, the possibility that a new man at the top can, uh, have, has freedom to, to end the war, which has, of course, been a disaster for Russia. Um, but beyond that, um, I'm quite skeptical that we see a much better Russia. Indeed, we may see a worse uh, neighbour um, for Europe. Um, Russian nationalism is, is a more potent political force, extreme right nationalism is a more potent political force than liberalism in Russia. And that is something, that that, that is a possibility that we, we have to watch very closely, that a future leader will not be a liberal, but be an autocrat, and perhaps even more autocratic than Putin.
2: Thank you very much. I am Evy and this was Your Active on the Byline podcast. Visit Your Active to stay on top of the latest news, and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on your favorite podcasting app. This episode was produced by myself, and I want to thank our executive producer, Malte Kettleson. Thank you for tuning in, and until next week.